On this episode of Comedy Rewind, is Rush Hour 2 the peak of Jackie Chan's Hollywood career? Will he ever release another film outside of China? Did Chris Tucker ever figure out how to say gefilterfish? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to 8-Bits Comedy Rewind. We're powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s and 2000s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me, a man who loves some Mushu, Logan Wilkinson from that nerdy side. How you doing? I'm doing great, yeah. It is always a pleasure to watch a early 2000s Jackie Chan comedy. That's what I will say. <laughs> yes, there weren't many misses for Jackie at that point. Nope. Uh, he was he had quite a good run from. Yeah, we haven't I guess hit the tuxedo say, yet, so we were still in a, yeah. a green role. <laughs> I guess you could say from Rush Hour right through uh, Rush Hour three might be the first uh, right. first miss amongst those. But um, we're not talking about Rush Hour three. We're talking about <laughs> no. Rush Hour two, yep. which is um, I haven't done this extent of my research, but I was I was going to say the is it the high point of the series? I think it made it made a lot more money than yeah. the first movie it, i would say it's like the high it's, point yeah yeah okay um we'll get to to that but um logan recently mm-hmm. appeared on this podcast talking about shanghai noon mm-hmm. and uh, i know you really love that movie but mm-hmm. rush hour two I, I just think the uh if we're gonna do a comparison right at the top of the podcast Let's do it. the action in this and the 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 stunts and everything is just so much better in yeah. in Rush Hour. There's just so much more to work with. Uh, yeah. Well, in the end product, at least compared to the, the Wild West, um, Jackie had a few cool moves in uh, Shanghai Noon, but I think that film probably focused more on like the story and yeah. the, like the the progression the buddy, of yeah. the plot point Nature and stuff. Of the team. Yeah. yeah, the in this movie, like there's very much that still buddy cop dynamic going on clearly it's built around him and, and uh, jackie chris and chris tucker. tucker which is fantastic uh it relies <laughs> a lot on like what's established in the first movie yeah. which means you can kind of skip the whole like these guys becoming friends yeah which means that you can focus on the action i think which makes it um makes it work really well and this is yeah still such a great movie i think it is definitely i mean yeah like you said they have a lot more to work with with it being set in a modern day setting versus the Wild West, which I think is not known for its martial arts scenes, right? That kind of play to Jackie Chan's <laughs> strengths. Um, and I think the fact that they are just able to hit the ground running, right? Like watching it again, literally like before I did this podcast, I was amazed at how quickly they're getting you into the action of this movie. It is within like five minutes, it is popping off. And it's because that first movie set up who these characters are, what their relationship is, how they know each other. And we don't need to rehash any of that. We're just in it, right? Like, this is a very short movie. <laughs> it, is, it is 90 minutes yeah. long and you are in and out of it. And they do not waste a single second of that time. You are like running across this film. And so uh, I, I find that really fun and engaging. And there are a number of great uh, like action fight sequences in this film. Yes, which I'm sure we'll get to. Uh, yeah. So let's start with some personal memories or experiences with rush hour 2 I, I had my brother on this podcast to talk about rush hour the original um mm, nice. many many episodes ago and he made the comment that it was like a classic sleepover movie that you would yeah. watch on 
VHS or DVD, depending on, on what year you were, were getting onto it. But yeah, just a great film to watch with your friends in high school. Um, and or, or, you know, just to catch, oh, it's like, you know, flicking through the channels. Oh, it's Rush Hour. Um, and we're, you know, 20 minutes into the movie. It's I have to watch TBS the rest or TNT, of it. Yep, <laughs> yeah. and you're watch it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's so funny that you, your brother called it a sleepover movie because that's absolutely the way that I view like for the rush hour films the shanghai like series of films like so much like late 90s early 2000s like action comedies um like me and my like childhood best friend uh like basically would every friday or thursday night would like go to his house and just like stay the night there and just plug in yeah like austin powers or shanghai noon or rush hour 2 and just watch these movies in his tiny little Mm. like bedroom he had in in the first house he was at uh, and just like kick our feet up in the corner of his room and just watch these movies like again and again and again that we'd rented at the local movie store, right? And like that was our night. And so Rush Hour 2, I even remember the old like DVD case it came in that you had to like unclip to open up. Like I've seen oh, this yeah. movie a lot. Um, and so yeah, it was very funny to kind of get that same energy to it. Yeah, for sure. So so if Rush Hour, if the first Rush Hour was one of those like sleepover movies, this one, I think I may have actually gone to watch it at the cinema, being Definitely. a fan of the first one already. Um, 2001, I would have been 13, 14 years old. So I right, was nine. Probably, yeah. yeah. So I was probably more of the target than, than you <laughs> yeah. were. Definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, I don't actually remember. I, I definitely went to see th- the third one at the cinema, but it, yeah. it may this one may have also been like a blockbuster or video easy rental before... Yeah. Um, Diamond video, never forget. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely very rewatchable. Um, oh my god, yes. We talked about the pace of it, like that. That alone makes it such an easy watch. The humor, the the mix of of action. It's it's not done very much these days. I feel like like it's it's. it's we'd have to do a whole podcast in itself to say when like the buddy <laughs> cop peaked or, right. or whatever, but. It certainly started to tail off a bit after this era right. as, as Jackie's American career started to taper off, probably. Yeah, I mean, really, the last great like buddy cop movie that comes to mind immediately for me would be Shanghai Nights, which is a couple of years after this, right? And then after that, it's like maybe Starsky and Hutch, right? Like, And even that is still yeah. only 2004, right? And so like, even that, like, I'm tr- like, after that, like, you get to stuff like The Other Guys, maybe... Um, Right and like that kind of thing, but like that is almost a spoof of the buddy yeah, cop genre. It is of an actual totally. buddy cop movie. There was the nice guys with um, Russell right. Crowe and Ryan Gosling in the last right. uh, five or six years, but yeah, it's still it's they've become few and far between. Yeah, it's become less of a um, a, a go to, and you get more of the like, um, I guess. Uh, like Pineapple Express or something, where they're not yeah, cops, okay. but it's a, it's a yeah. buddy, it's a it's a buddy movie, yeah. um, and it's like one one of them's this and one of them's that, and it's yeah. some kind of like odd odd pairing. Um, I'm trying to think like uh, let's be cops, except they're not actually cops; they're just <laughs> pretending to be cops. So, yeah, I, I think we can safely say that it's died off a bit, and that, that yeah. could be like the 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 changing perspective towards police officers right, in itself is, is probably a factor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we will move into 
the Rotten Tomatoes section of this. So to give you um, some perspective on how this was received, the original Rush Hour had a $35 million budget and made $245 million. This movie, like more than, or basically tripled the budget. It was a $90 million movie, made $347 million. And the first Rush Hour movie was a 61% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's crazy. So where do you think Rush Hour 2 sat with the critics in that regard? Com- I feel like comedy sequels are always lower, so I'm going to go with a 55%. It's a very good guess. It's 52 Okay, yeah. 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 They always just... Yeah. I guess, <laughs> I guess it can go either way. Like, you can have the thing where the first one is a bit scrappier or whatever. Like mm-hmm. Austin Powers is probably a good example where like mm. the first one, it's a bit more, um, uh, what's the word? Like irre- irreverent. I don't know. It's, it's a bit, it's a bit more like the filmmaker or the, 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 the lead of the movie had a bit more of a say. And then the studio yeah. comes in and they're like, we're going to streamline this. We're going to mainstream this. <laughs> and so- sometimes it makes it a better movie. If not like, right less niche um yeah and sometimes that means that it's reviewed better so i feel like you know the spy who shagged me reviewed a lot better than the original austin powers and i I would have i would have thought that like this movie was better than the first rush hour uh in in some ways um but the critics didn't necessarily feel that way do do you have like a ranking between i mean rush hour three is gonna be the third is terrible yeah um (laughs) I mean, Rush Hour 2 has always been my personal favorite movie. It's it's interesting. After watching Rush Hour 2, I, like, I obviously feel like the urge to go watch the first one again now. I do think, at least my memories after seeing this one and then what I remember the first one, that like the first one feels like it's more like story-focused, like it's more like mm. dramatic because they are just setting up a lot of the pieces, and this one lets itself just have more fun, I think. Yeah. Um, and so that's probably why I enjoyed it more as a kid. And so I'd be curious if I like more of the like setting up the pieces elements of the first one now that I'm a bit older. Um, but definitely yeah, this that's one a good is point. more of a comedy than the first yeah. is, I think. The f- the, so the first one was very, yeah, it was like, oh, they've kidnapped the daughter of the, you know. Yeah, like minister the, or whatever. The, yeah, like the uh, ambassador's daughter or whatever it was. And um then it's like Lee and Carter, unlikely pairing, getting on the right. same page, finding common ground, because they both like singing "War." What is it good for, or whatever? Absolutely, they do. Never forget. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it, it, it spends a lot of time <clears throat> with that aspect of it. And there, it is there is some humor in them, like not getting along. Yeah. But um, I think it's it's certainly more fun with them being kind of like there's like like. Jackie playing the straight man, yeah, and Chris Carter very obviously playing like the over the top uh, sidekick. It's yeah, it works so well. It, it's such a and, and they spend a lot of time apart as well in this movie. I noticed and that it as well. Yeah, it doesn't yeah, it doesn't really hurt it. I think um, because it lets Jackie do his thing, like he's running around the casino, sliding yeah. under you know the 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 bars of the teller machine, and, yep. and like and then. You know, Chris Tucker's out there rolling the dice and just being, just being flamboyant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's it works. It works. Um, we'll move on to just quickly some of the the critic comments about 
the film. So mm-hmm. a site called Decent Films said it follows so closely in the footsteps of its hugely successful predecessor that an actual review is practically unnecessary. <laughs> and that's that's funny because it's it's kind of just like, it's another Rush Hour movie and it's great. Like that's all yeah. you kind of need to say to endorse yeah. it. It's fantastic. It's definitely unlike... Rush Hour 3 is also has the ambassador's daughter in it now that I think about it. Except for she's like older now. Rush Hour 3 is bad, guys. <laughs> you don't need to watch that. Just stop at Rush Hour 2. And then uh, Rolling Stone said, the whole film okay. plays like an like an outtake and that I do mean as a compliment. <laughs> okay, yeah. And that's, It's got that's, a great set of outtakes. That's going to be some of my favorite moments yeah. I'll talk about. Are the outtakes at the end are just so funny. Yeah, and you can kind of see what he's referring to. It's like they're having that much fun yeah. through the movie that whether they're ad-libbing or whatever it might be, I'm sure that Chris Tucker does a lot of ad-libbing. Um, <laughs> but whether he's sure. like at the casino table or he's doing Michael Jackson karaoke, um, it does, gosh. yeah, it does have that feeling of uh, like, just let just the let camera roll. Just let the camera yeah. roll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Without, with, without, but without being like a Judd Apatow, kind of like do the line 10 times yeah. and, and see in which one's the funniest. So to set the scene for 2001, when this movie came out, uh, let's guess the uh, number one song in the Billboard charts. <sighs> 2001. Oh my God. Um, maybe Lose Yourself by Eminem. Ooh, it's got to be in that time period. No, I think uh, I think Eight Mile was like three years later. Was then um, times a flat circle. This? Yeah, the date. So I have to look it up again. Eight Mile is 2002, so it's the year after. I just looked okay. I feel pretty good with that guess. I was only off by a year, like Lady Marmalade. So if it came out in June, it would have been Lady Marmalade. Oh, that's a good guess then. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it came out the next month. So it was You Remind Me by Usher. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> which, which, you know, the following two number ones were Destiny's Child, Bootylicious, mm. Alicia Keys, Fallen. Yeah. And then uh, Jennifer Lopez with Ja Rule, I'm Real. Back to <laughs> Fallen, back to I'm Real. Then Mary J. Blige, then then Usher. It's like a really good year for African Americans. <laughs> yeah. Two thousand one was a really great year for Yeah. And then before Usher it was Lil Kim was part of uh Lady Marmalade. And yeah. then before that, Janet Jackson, all for you. Shaggy, you know, Destiny's Child again. Yeah, really great year for I guess R and B and, and hip hop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The start of that becoming more like popular, I think, pop culturally mm. as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then you got like Crazy Town thrown in there, Butterfly, yeah, Outcast, Miss Jackson that year. So yeah, awesome. Two thousand one. That was one of the years that I was like discovering pop music. So a lot of that stuff is yeah. very burned into my brain. Yep, same. We'll do a quick little. What have you done for me lately? Uh, there's not many, you know, build like highly build <laughs> actors in this in this movie. Really, it's, it's like kind of two or like, three, yeah. Yeah, we've got Chris Tucker, who, as we've said on previous uh, Rush Hour podcast, basically retired from movies that weren't called Rush Hour mm-hmm. after after the first Rush Hour. Yeah. Um, so, he, you know, he, he kind of became big through doing like, you know, Friday and yeah. uh, some of those 90s um, black comedies. And then it was Rush Hour in 1998, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3, 
and Silver Linings Playbook in 2012. So no films in that time besides Rush Hour Rush and the, the Silver Linings cameo. <clears throat> I forgot to do this in Silver Linings Playbook too. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, when you just make $300 million at the box office, you don't need to do much else. You can just pretty much no. stay home and it's coast. So, it's so much restraint. Though, to because you often think like, oh, if I was you know successful and I would just retire after making like yeah. five million dollars or whatever it is that you need to live on and for a, a really long time, <laughs> yeah. he basically did that. Uh, I know that he's yeah. also taken a, a um very hard like ethical stance, uh, like from like a religious perspective about the types of comedy that he does. So now he's he's very much doing like stand up comedy. He's he's a stand up yeah. comic like from back to his roots and he still does stand up but it's like a clean act which is not what you would probably associate with the persona that he built up in the 90s Um, but yeah he's he's taken like a very like strong Christian perspective on comedy which is yeah it's an interesting um, way to go Uh, so that's Chris Tucker and that's also part of the reason I guess that he left Hollywood Um, but Jackie Chan kind of also left Hollywood to an extent like he's basically said that he's not making movies in America anymore and I don't know if that's like mm. a issue with Hollywood or if it's like a commitment to China um, do I you know much about this yeah I'm a huge Jackie Chan guy I think it's also <laughs> an element of I've watched a lot of Jackie Chan interviews in my life and I think you know, there's probably a compilation out there of like Jackie Chan saying he hates when people introduce him on talk shows as Jackie Chan, right? And I think at a certain <laughs> point in time, he probably felt a little pigeonholed in like Hollywood and the roles he was getting and the things he was being like cast to do, right? And also, like, after Shanghai Nights, the movies he was appearing in, in America just didn't fare as well, right? Like, I made the joke about the tuxedo. Mm-hmm. Rush Hour 3 didn't do as good as well. Uh, he had a few other ones kind of in the mid to later 2000s that just didn't perform as well. And I think, you know, his kind of reign ended. And there's also something to be said of Jackie Chan just being like, like, especially nowadays, like he's talked now in the last like couple of years of being like, I'm in my 60s and I've broken basically everyone in my body. Like, I don't, <laughs> you know, there comes a time where I can't make these kinds of films anymore. And he's pivoted into stuff that... I think sort of subverts the like sunny, fun Jackie Chan movies we expect, like The Foreigner uh, with Pierce Brosnan, which is a great movie, but it's way more serious and like utilizes Jackie Chan's skills um, in a more manageable load for a 60 plus year old man, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's also just that element. It's a great movie, yeah, for though. sure. <clears throat> and I think that um, China has a lot more money to spend on films compared to back then. <laughs> um, right. So he probably doesn't have to leave China yeah. to to do that, um, which is interesting because I, I, you kind of think like most international stars that make it big just settle in in the States and that's their new home, um, a la Schwarzenegger or whoever, but he's gone back to China and, um, yeah, and that's, think- that's interesting in itself. It's interesting too because it, even within that, there's like an important distinction to make between like mainland China cinema and like Hong Kong cinema, which like Jackie Chan is like grew up in and came from and still does like Hong Kong cinema films, right? And so, like, it is also an element of like 
sort sort of like a sports like figure who like left his hometown team and has like gone back to it in like his like final few years of his career. Like Jackie Chan's kind of gone back to Hong Kong cinema mm-hmm. as he kind of winds down his career feels very natural, right? Like the last kind of like karate film in the US I can kind of envision him being in was when he was essentially Mr. Miyagi in the like new karate kid, right? And that felt like yeah. a passing of the torch in some ways, like kind of closing that circle of his career up. Who did he pass the torch to? <laughs> That's the problem. We haven't really had a good successor in the last 10 years. No. Um, I, I wish we had. Um, but the successor was just go back and watch Legend of the Drunken Master on DVD. It's great. Mm. Or um, the the Chang, Shang-Chi dude. He's he's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he seems really cool. He's great in uh, some... Kim's Groceries as well. Kim's, Kim's Convenience. Convenience. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. He's a funny man. So the last thing I could find that uh, Jackie filmed was Snafu with John Cena, but it's never been released. Um, oh, okay. Um, so why might... I didn't know it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you might remember John Cena said that Taiwan was a country, and that was like a big oh, controversy it's... in it China. Is. And I don't he had like to that. do like he had to do this apology, and it was it was like a TikTok like video apology thing he did too. It was weird. Yeah. 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 So that that could be part of the reason it hasn't released, or it could just be some other political issue. You know how things are over there. It's it's a it's a, a little it works a little bit differently. Um, and he has totally he's also Cena, yeah. put a movie out called Ride On, which sounds like a coming of age kind of like road trip kind of thing, where he plays okay. the the older the, like the father or whatever with his daughter. Right. So yeah, it sounds like what you said, where it's taking that step back from the the action to just uh, do something a bit more low-key. Anyway, we will move into the categories now. Logan, what was the most 2000s moment of Rush Hour 2? It's so interesting. Uh, there's so much. Like, it's it's so important to note that, like, this movie is pre-9-11. And, like, it is, it is weird. I've started to, like, realize this when I go back to watch older movies now. And part of this is just I've watched 25 James Bond movies over the last six months <laughs> for a podcast. But, like... Just the way that like films change and how they handle things like pre and post nine eleven as you would imagine in Hollywood. And I think just like the Secret Service in general, the fact they were just like bombings around concerts and it's like should it just mostly sort of like a joke and like a laughing matter, not like as a huge like oh shit, like it's another nine eleven kind of thing. Yeah. I think is one pretty indicative of like its time and place. Um and then the other thing I guess is also sort of like you know, what is, like, age the worst, which is, like, there are definitely a lot of Chris Tucker racist jokes about, like, Asians in general in the movie that are, like, I don't know if that would make the cut in 2022, but certainly in 2001, very few people batted an eyelid at it. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's a <clears throat> that's an interesting one. See, I, I didn't write that one down later, like, spoilers for what holds up the worst. Because I, I felt like they were um kind of what's good for the goose is good for the good gander, for the gander. where like yeah. they were making fun of like Chris Tucker as, as like the black man in China, almost just as much yeah. as, as he was making comments about um, everyone around him in the yeah, first half of the movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Where he would, he would be like, you know, all you, all you um, Asians look the same or something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, so I've, curious what you're going to pick uh, now. For and, <laughs> and you know, that, that could be taken, um, as a racist comment, but 
you know, I've heard in other films, or and I'm sure that this is a thing that they didn't just make up for the the pop culture that I'm referencing, but I've I've heard uh, Asians say that all white people look the same and that all mm. all black people look the same. And there's a a moment in this movie where an old woman calls Chris Tucker's Kobe. character Kobe, yeah, and that. That actually happened during filming. Like people thought Chris Tucker was Kobe Bryant. Yeah. So you can't say that this stuff isn't like a cultural thing where like people right. have a harder time distinguishing other uh, ethnic faces. So it, it is just a thing. The fact that they're making it a joke is that racist. I'll, I'll leave that up to the to the viewer. But um, I, I did kind of enjoy that they gave it back to him as much as he right. was as kind he of poking poking fun. So. That's why I didn't have it under what holds up the worst, but we'll, we'll come back to that later. <laughs> um, most two thousands moment, yeah, I, like the yeah the lack of um I guess reverence given to like terrorist attacks in this film it's was very like, blasé. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like like this they just blew up a police station. That's a yeah. pretty pretty big thing to do, but they're just like sitting around moping <laughs> about like. Who was or wasn't involved in the explosion? They didn't right. like clear the area in case there was like another attack or anything like that. It's just someone walks in there with a package and it explodes. Right. Um, Even just how like how easy they got in there was like, oh, that's very pre nine eleven. They there was not like eight security checkpoints for this like package. Yeah. <laughs> um, you don't just drop it off at the front desk. It's, right. it's like you walk all the way into the evidence locker or whatever right. it was. Uh, as far as like technology, we had. Um, who, who was the villain of this film? Uh, Ricky Tan at the massage parlor had this like kind of chunky laptop. Laptop. But it, it wasn't, but I say chunky, it wasn't hilariously oversized. No, not at all. Um, which makes me think, okay, the early 2000s, it was the beginning of laptops actually being a viable piece of technology to use. Right. And not <laughs> versus, um, yeah, versus the, the 90s where, I don't know if you remember these, but there was like a little... Um, like a rubbery little thumb-sized uh, pad in the between the G and H keys of the keyboard that was the mouse. Oh, oh. instead of a trackpad. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe now you're making me quite. That's a deep, 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 deep. Like I'm like, trying to know, think of like first grade, second grade computer classes. <laughs> yeah, whatever. But even those, like yeah. they had a physical mouse. I don't remember the one on the key, like right. on the. Yeah, so it was like itself. you know how you know how the end of a, a of a like a pencil has like the eraser and it's like a yeah. little rubbery thing. It was something kind of that shape, and it would just sit embedded in the between the keys, and that was how you moved the mouse around. I remember that very very distinctively because my dad yeah. had one for work um, in the nineties. So it wasn't that kind of laptop, is what I'm get, getting at. Yeah. I guess it was. Um, yeah, it was a nice know, laptop. The, yeah, and it got destroyed. <laughs> it got disintegrated. Chris <laughs> Tucker smashed yeah. that. Uh, Chris Tucker very blasé about um, gang violence in 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 China as well. Like, yeah. gets Not up in the middle of gets up in the middle of the karaoke bar and he's like, you know, he's basically saying, "I heard that there's a a triad gang member here or leader. Where is he?" Instead of right. uh, the the typical kind of let's Look, keep this low key. Los Angeles invented gangs, right? So like, why Apparently. is he concerned about Hong Kong? <laughs> Right. Yeah, I don't know if that's true, Chris. Um, <laughs> I feel like Italy might. Have I was going to say it, Sicily but... might disagree with yes. you here. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if the guy to tell you this, but uh, the other two thousands moment was uh, uh, Jackie. I keep saying Jackie. Uh, is it Lee? Yeah, Lee. Lee. Mm-hmm. Lee's character saying he always wanted to go to the 
see uh, the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So, like, the Knicks weren't necessarily the hottest thing in town in, in 2001. Definitely but they were only... They were the last yeah. 20 years. <laughs> yeah. They were only two years rem- um, removed from a finals appearance, I yeah. guess. Against um, the Spurs, yeah. But, yeah, there wouldn't have been moments, many moments since... Uh, this movie that people would have said, I've always wanted to see the Knicks at Madison Square Garden necessarily. Except for like it's, a it's... month during Linsanity. That's yeah. Shit. Yeah. And like the the brief like Amari uh, and Carmelo yeah, yeah. stint. But um, it, it would more typically be like, oh, like the Warriors are in town or like LeBron's <laughs> yeah. in town. or I'll see a know, concert Co- at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Kobe's in town. I always wanted to see right. Kobe at the garden. Like <laughs> that would, that's what it would be if they filmed it uh, probably five, 10, 20 years later. This isn't a but basketball that, yeah. podcast, but it is amazing that since we're on this topic, it is amazing how inept the Knicks have been and culturally irrelevant for 20 years now. That does take some level of skill though. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yep, ever since, uh, probably James since Dolan. Patrick Ewing left. Yeah, and James Dolan back the team. It's been pretty rough. All right. Most iconic scene. I'm interested in what you've got for this as someone who has probably watched... The- How many times do you think you've watched this movie? Conservatively, seven or eight. Yeah. See, I've probably only seen it... This is probably like my third or fourth time watching. And it w- I wouldn't have watched it for a long time. So there was... Certainly scenes that I remembered and I'm, I tend to pick those as iconic because they've stuck out in my memory. But I'm, yeah, I'm interested in what you had for this. I think like the two or three that popped to mind quickest for me are obviously the like fight in the massage parlor, I think is like probably the best fight sequence in the entire movie. And it's like yeah. there's so many great like comedic moments to it and great like fight moves and choreography um that like that is one that at the time stuck out and still i think stands out as like one of the best executed sequences yeah um and then yeah, after like that those, those guys i have to say those guys fighting in the um gowns like the dressing yeah. gowns is is so funny um yeah. <laughs> and it's, like jackie it's such a great scene it, it's it's so funny like jackie's telling um Chris Tucker to flip him and flip him, and then like, does it to the, him later on. Says like, no, 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 don't flip me, don't flip me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like the whole sequence is great. And and um, Chris Tucker does some nice moves. Yeah, like, he, he does some good stunts in this movie. He, he t- definitely put the work in to um, you know hold his own in, in some of these fight sequences, which was cool. It was, it was cool to see him and Jackie like on the same page. And yeah. you know, it ended with that kind of high five karate boom, sequence boom, boom, before. Boom. Yeah. Before they get overwhelmed completely, but yeah, I'll let you continue. Uh, so that yeah, that's definitely one of the best sequences. Um, I think, like yeah, the end of the movie and like them like hopping off and like sliding down, like the bomb is going off, and then like almost getting it over like four times is a funny like how long can we drag out this like sequence thing? But then like <laughs> the other two sequences, I would say. One is Chris Tucker and Jack Chan looking across the hotel to the, like, Secret Service agent as she's, like, undressing. Like, that sequence is, like, burned into my mind to how, like, ridiculous Jackie Chan is having to, like, play. Like, he's being the, like, not the straight man for once, and it's really funny yeah. to see. And then the other, th- like, scene that I think of is technically not a scene in the movie. It's in the bloopers, which is the Gefelta fish, like, blooper reel. <laughs> of chris tucker trying to do it 
like that i like that scene was burned so much into my mind that i honestly thought it was in the movie and then i got to them like all right this is just like him butchering it for like a minute straight in the bloopers and it's so funny like it's so 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 good (laughs) does he actually say kefelta fish in the final version that's what i couldn't remember i like because after i got watched it and i was like did he actually say it or just cut it out because he couldn't ever get it right I don't think he. <laughs> I don't think he says it. The director in the back just yelling at him louder and louder with each take. Gavelta fish. <coughs> yeah, I uh, <coughs> never eaten it. Um, I wouldn't be able to say it either. I think. Nope. <laughs> so I had kind of two like comedic scenes and two action scenes for this. So the okay. massage parlor, yes. Yeah. Um, the bamboo uh, scaffolding. Ooh. Yeah, that's a great shout out. Like the the scene of him hanging, like you always have to have Jackie hanging from something, right? <laughs> like whether it's like a, a huge sign or whatever from the first movie. Um, in this one, it's from the bamboo pole, and I thought it was such an amazing stunt until Chris Tucker's was also hanging from it, and then I thought, yeah. oh, if Chris Tucker's hanging from it, they must have faked it somehow because yeah. he, he he wouldn't put himself out. Like <laughs> Chris Tucker's not going for it, right? Yeah. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> I'm sure Jackie did to some extent. That was really cool, I'm and sure, that was yeah. I actually tried to like look up the behind the scenes because I was so interested in how they managed nice. to do it, but I couldn't couldn't find anything. Um, as as far as the comedic scenes that are iconic, yes, the spying on the woman, um, mm-hmm. the double agent or whatever, that was that was very funny. Um, because it's <laughs> you're right, it's Jackie taking that that role of of someone who he's so by the book and. I know keeping the law and everything and then he's suddenly the Slower, one who's in a yeah, in a questionable like, position. Yeah. Uh and then like it follows through with them running over there, getting the bomb. you know, the bomb that's not really a bomb. Um and then, you know, <laughs> flashing the badge <laughs> and Tucker's like, I need to see the card like, I, I didn't, see I didn't get it. I didn't get to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very funny. Uh the other comedic scene I wanted to highlight was just the the karaoke Michael mm-hmm. Jackson performance. Yeah. I don't think... I think this was or is or maybe still is like the iconic impersonation of Michael Jackson mm-hmm. in a comedy. Mm-hmm. Maybe up until South Park did it. <laughs> um, it's hard to separate those two. It, um, it's just, the, you know, Michael Jackson as a performer, just s- such a... Uh, iconic and individual right just unique talent to, to see someone like chris tucker mimicking it and doing it for laughs is it's just very funny and he did it in the first movie as well um yeah but they kind of it is in on it. still to this day when i hear that song this is what i think of first i think of chris tucker yeah. doing it to at, just cranking up to 11 and yeah. just living his best life like that whole um like nightclub sequence really is just a great like even before he gets on the stage like him like literally booing the man going before (laughs) him is such a funny beat um and him just getting increasingly angry and then it just cuts to him on stage now singing in what we know is a club full of triads is so 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 funny come on uh come on (laughs) it's it's yeah, that, that that was probably the scene that I remembered the most. So that's probably <laughs> where I'm what I'm leaning towards for, for iconic. And then of course it, it follows through with him directing everyone in the club what to do, Jackie having to translate, and that's translate. just very funny. 
So um, sorry, my friend is drunk. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What holds up the best? I, I thought the humor in the fight yeah. scenes holds up well. Like, not only are the fight scenes cool, which is always going to happen with Jackie, but this humor in them, which works so well for what is essentially a, it's a it's a comedy film. So yeah. the fact that they don't have to alternate between comedy and action, they can integrate the comedy into it, is just um, I think what makes it fun throughout. Like the the chemistry between Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan is there in the fight scenes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's yeah, it's it's there's just so much humor. Even if it's like you know he's got a bomb in his mouth, and yeah. he's like not like he's forcing his face into the assassin's face, like almost yeah. like they're kissing with with tape around his mouth, uh, yeah. because he doesn't want her to blow his teeth through his brain. So yeah, I mean, you took my one, which is going to be just the chemistry between Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. I think twenty years later, it is still so good. Like. These two, I think, are actors who just like click really well. And I don't know if they like each other when the cameras weren't rolling or not. But certainly when they were on... It feels like they do. It feels like Yeah, exactly. It (laughs) It feels like they do. And it feels like they got along so well. And that chemistry just shines through. Because that is sort of the whole point of a buddy cop film, right? Is like, if these two guys don't get along well on camera, the whole movie's going to be a mess, right? And... Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan don't have the advantages of, you know, Russell Crowe and Ryan Gosling or Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson, who are like longtime friends or who are from very similar cultures, right? They're almost complete opposites. And that's the whole point. And that could not work. um, But it absolutely lands here. And each are sort of in their respective like peaks, which is, I think, really helpful too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, you just get like, such great chemistry between the two guys. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to like the two female leads of the movie as well. I think each have really great chemistry as well. In particular, Chris Tucker and like the female bad guy kind of thing um, are each fantastic as like just being so antagonistic towards each other. Uh, and it's it's really funny as well. Yeah. No, you're right. That That's um, f- for an actor or a performer that doesn't say really much or anything <laughs> yeah. um uh zi zhang is her mm-hmm. name uh she, yeah she was really good and just yes total badass as well oh my god yeah you got to be good to be to pull off being a villain that doesn't talk you got to be right. really you got to be a really good performer yeah. <laughs> and she does it uh okay so what holds up the worst so there's a few people either directly associated with this movie or tangentially that Ooh haven't aged well so brett ratner as a director is someone that's i guess you could say he's been cancelled or it's Mm -hmm. definitely come out that he's been pretty douchey towards a lot of Mm. performers or people Mm. involved in his uh films particularly like elliot page i think he outed at some point i I feel like that was a story that happened Mm, um yeah and because because they worked together on x-men one of the X-Men movies. Right. Yeah, they would have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just like other general things about him that other don't... Other general shittiness. Okay. Sound, yeah. Just <laughs> don't, don't sound very nice. Uh, and, you know, I mentioned Michael Jackson. Depending on where you sit with the whole like, you know, abuse scandals and documentaries sure. and 
uh, whether you can hear his music without thinking of all that stuff. I haven't actually watched um, any like any of the Neverland stuff because I'm horrified at uh, how it's going to make me feel. <laughs> but I know right. that it's like sensitive for a lot of people, so you might not be able to laugh through an impersonation of him if uh, if you feel strongly about that. So they're, they're two of the things that I thought of as far as you know. We're talking about how those things are interpreted in 2022 versus mm. 2001. It's been 21 years. Yeah. A lot can change. Um, and then this, like, the one part of actually, like, plot or action I thought that doesn't hold up is the climax that you mentioned where they're sliding yeah. down the um It's very wire. CGI when they first get on the wire, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, f- first... Well, it's not even that. It's like, first, okay, they're sliding on their jackets. That's fine. I'll suspend disbelief. And then the wire snaps and they're holding onto it with their hands. Yeah. And with a lot of... I guess the term would be velocity as they're falling <laughs> and they just hold on to it like Tarzan holds on to yeah. a vine in the jungle like in reality that would tear through your hands completely Shred it, yeah. or you would let go you wouldn't be able to hold on to it but they uh, do a fantastic job of holding on to the point where they get in front of the you know the freeway with the truck driving where through and all that kind of stuff kicked out right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I just thought like if it was made now, I would hope that they would maybe try and like illustrate how it's possible. Not that everything has to be completely realistic, but right. you know, maybe maybe they have uh, they've wrapped the cord around their wrist or so- something that's gonna make them make it make sense. But it just didn't, and because it was the climax of the movie, I thought especially they should probably try to uh, to to do that, but. Maybe that's just a nitpick. What do you think? I think it's definitely not the most engaging part of the movie for sure. I mean, like it's def- <laughs> it's like sort of deliberately, it is a lot of ridiculous things back to back to back, right? It is them hopping off on their jackets and doing that. Then it's them holding onto the like you know wire like their Tarzan on a vine. Then they're in front of a truck. Jackie Chan kicks Chris Tucker out of the way. Then like <laughs> runs across the side while Chris Tucker gets hit across the side. They fall onto the ground. A semi-truck goes over them. A second semi-truck goes over them. And then it's finally over. Like, it is a lot in a row of just like, that yeah. is, a, you know, seven things I had to suspend my disbelief for all in like <laughs> a 45-second span. Like, that is maybe not how I would have structured the end of the movie. Yeah. I would have just had like, they slide down and then they let go and they land in a swimming pool something yeah you know something simple <laughs> they went they were like let's just take it up all the way to 11 here again on this sequence as well <laughs> honestly i would have just had it in with him kicking f-ing ricky like tan out of the window um i think is a great sequence right like mm. you know he called for a cab kind of line like shoot him like booming shoot him <laughs> yeah that's just yeah also that seems really good too uh chris tucker really just going like yeah that's you know so good kill him yeah. yeah just the switch from like he's not worth it man through <laughs> to like kill this guy <laughs> yeah there's no one here but me and you do it do it it's like the opposite of pretty much everybody cop right film. like action movies it, yeah. the way that they would handle that scene so that, that was great but yeah what holds up the worst for you i mean you mentioned earlier um uh, what did you mention? Oh, you mentioned some of the race references and that kind of thing. Right. I mean, I, I like what holds up the worst is tricky too, because like from a movie perspective too, the movie's very short. <laughs> the, movie, 
movie is very short and they are moving very quickly and the movie does not give you a lot of time to linger on things right so like mm. i also wouldn't have hated if we'd had like 15 or 20 more minutes of things to like let something settle a bit more um because we are going very quickly through it uh or even yeah. if they just give me like 10 more minutes of like jimmy piven's character as like the fashion guy <laughs> i'd have loved that as well because that whole sequence is so like chaotic and coke filled and it's great and he's just like operating on a whole other level and i i loved that scene sure no definitely uh have to talk about jeremy when we get to the spark plug <laughs> yes we okay will. so who would be most offended <coughs> sorry I, th- I think yeah like like we said potentially depending on where you fall with like Michael Jackson and abuse accusations. Sure. Um, people might not necessarily dig the f- almost entire scene that's dedicated to one of his songs. And then uh, also, yeah, depending on where you feel about uh, Asian stereotypes, uh, I think they can get away with it because Jackie Chan is the it's, lead of this movie. And it's he's, tricky too. Like yeah. I could also see people getting upset for maybe not, you know, you know, for somewhat understandable reasons, potentially of like the sequence where they pull back the doors and it's just like 20 women, oh, yeah. like all yeah. like scantily clad clothes. Like That's that a good is point. a thing which, yeah. yeah, it's like, all right, well like someone's probably going to be upset about this for sure. Well, you know what? It's, <laughs> It's almost done as if they're prostitutes. Like it's yeah, like which right. which one do you want? Like what what are they yeah. doing? They they're massaging you. Like it's and it does um draw on that I guess idea of like right of of uh women in Asian countries being like commodities that you can go over there and and right. purchase essentially. Pick um, yeah, the ones you want. Not that yeah, not that I I know whether I don't know whether China is necessarily associated with that as much as more of like Vietnam and Thailand and that kind of thing where um it's more of a of a problem with sex trafficking and that kind of thing, but I'm sure that it's no um that that it's an issue in a lot of places so yeah that that does it is very male gazy um yeah despite the comedy in the scene just because chris tucker's funny no matter what um yeah so no that's a that's a good that's a good pick <laughs> yeah but we're, we're getting towards the end here does this pass the internet relevant eh, internet relevancy test for you because for me it, it kind of doesn't like there's not really images from this that i was watching and i would see a scene and be like oh that's a reaction that people use all the time or or anything like that no i mean it doesn't um certainly in terms of like gifts or memes right like i think Mm. it is an interesting like internet relevancy test in the sense of like i don't think it's very prevalent in terms of like gifts or memes although there are moments i think that could be Um, but I do think it's relevant in the sense of like, I think a lot of like the internet generation that we're a part of has seen this movie and has like fond memories of it probably. Right. Like everybody, even when I talk about rush hour two, someone's like, Oh yeah. Like I love that movie kind of thing. Right. Like I think most people have know about it. Um, so I think it's more culturally relevant than when we did like Wayne's world, for example, uh, which is almost of another generation right that is almost more of like a gen x touchstone film and i think this one is a bigger kind of cultural touchstone for like the millennial generation than wayne's world is or city slippers for that matter yeah 
That's interesting. I don't know if I would make the comparison to Wayne's World because I feel like Wayne's World is so quotable that there's a lot of things from that that have permeated or or lasted the test of time in in pop culture. Well, I don't know if there's like a lot of quotes from Rush Hour Two that that you could say that about. But uh, no, it's it's an interesting point. Like everyone's seen it, that's for sure. Right. Everyone would understand what you were talking about if you made some kind of reference to it. Do you understand sh- the words that are coming out of my yeah. mouth? Yeah, and that's that's a, that's Rush Hour 1, uh, although they, they do kind of come back to it right. in this. <laughs> um, yeah, very funny, very funny. Mm-hmm. How would modern smartphones and social media change this movie? I mean, not in a huge way. Not a ton, we're talking right? about yeah. Secret Service and stuff like that, but... One thing I did think of was <clears throat> after the uh, explosion at the police station where Lee mm. thinks Carter's been killed for Dead quite for a while. 20 minutes. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <clears throat> he would just be able to call him or text, text him. him. Find um, my friends. Yeah. Yeah. Or just be like, oh, um, Carter put up an Instagram story five minutes <laughs> yeah. ago. Carter's got 100 Instagram posts since then. We know how Carter would roll in yeah, the yeah. Instagram age. <laughs> for sure. Um, <clears throat> that's all I had. Like, there's a lot of other yeah, stuff. That's you a good one. Yeah. Skirt around quite easily if you made it today without having to, yeah. um, to change much. Like, there's a moment where, like, oh, we're in Vegas or whatever. Like, they just kind of had no idea where they were. And I know that if you had a phone, you'd obviously be able to like track your movements. But you could easily just say, oh, they had their phones taken away, away or or whatever. Yeah. So it wouldn't break anything. We're up to the last question. No, my my document my document is not formatted well enough, Logan. I'm going to ask a few more questions. Could okay. you make this today? And what would the 2022 version be? Yes, I think you definitely still make it today. Yeah, we talked a little bit about like buddy cop movies not having the resonance that they once did. So what what would it look like if you made it now? I think. Honestly, I think you could make it look a lot like this. I mean, the movie would be two hours long instead of an hour and a half, for sure, if they made it today. And then they would lean more into, I think, the dramatic nature of Jackie's dad and, like, what happened there. Ricky Tan would probably have a bigger role. They make, like, the open of the movie probably would be, like, a prologue, right, of, like, those two's fallen out kind of thing. And then, like, it would cut to... yeah. Like Jackie and Chris Tucker in the car together being dumb. Um, and then yeah. I think, I mean, honestly, in some ways, I think it'd be more like Rush Hour 1, right? Like, I think it'd be like a more serious movie with like comedic bits to it if they made it today. Mm, yeah, I think that stuff with the father was really rushed. Where it got <laughs> yeah, they to- just kind of get, yeah, go over it pretty quick. To the point where, like, by the end of the movie, when that scene's happening and they're talking about his dad, I'm like, what? What? What are they referring to? Like, we don't have many details <laughs> here. Um, like he mentioned, they had something. never even confirmed that Ricky had killed Jackie Chan's dad until the end of the movie. They were just like, they're yeah. partners, and your dad is dead. But they don't ever say it's Ricky until the very end, and it's like, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, we're upset about this. Sure. And what? What? Just like, go along what, for the ride. what did they? What did did Jackie's dad do for work? Back then, he like, was a cop, and Ricky was his partner, and then apparently portrayed him. Okay, for and then he became a triad. Right, leader. exactly. Yeah. See, I don't know enough about the triads to know like their relationship with the cops, but you wouldn't like thinking of you know gangs in the West. You wouldn't think a cop would be welcome to become the head of a triad. Yeah, right. You know, 
like a cop wouldn't become the head of the mafia or something like, <laughs> that, that would be an issue but anyway they'd be, it'd be a no-no i think yeah it might work differently in the in the east but um sure sure well i i can see yeah there's a few things that could be fleshed out a bit more and they would probably right. do that now um the action would be i mean oh, i hate to say like green screens and stuff but you can still do some like shang chi is a good example of how you can do some really amazing stuff with um special effects like there's a the scene right. where they're going on the tram car through mm-hmm. uh through san francisco and most of that is fake but it's an yeah. awesome scene um i know jackie chan probably if he was involved in this i know he's pretty old now so he probably wouldn't be that that the lead uh the lead role but um I wonder how he'd feel about doing that mix of like practical and um, CG with special with with the the action scenes. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, he's done some stuff in like the 2010s that is more like CGI. There's one with like him and Jet Li in like old like classic China. I know that yeah. I can't think of the name of. That's something like that. But I mean, definitely he obviously is someone who is much more comfortable in like the practical effect realm, and obviously created and has his own like stunt fighting team that he works with in like every film um so like i think he'd push for as much practical real stuff as possible Mm. um but that's only so much how films are made in 2022 for sure and if he had access to the technology when he was young he probably would have liked to not have to you know slide slide 50 feet down a pole and burn the crap out of his hands and all the kinds of stuff that he did back then for a shot like you know if you can save your it's kind of like you know to get back to can't go too long without talking about basketball but um you know (laughs) if if larry if larry bird was around today yeah maybe he wouldn't have taken so many charges and he would have played like an extra six years in his career with modern science and that kind of had knees yeah yeah Here's some um, useless trivia. The prop mm. masters for Rush Hour 2 created approximately $1 trillion in fake money to be used Love as it. props. It was realistic enough that some of the film's extras pocketed it and attempted to spend it illegally outside of the production, <laughs> which led to the fake money being confiscated and destroyed by the US Secret Service. Hey, Secret Service actually got involved. That's fun. Um it turns out the Supermax money was real all along, right? Yeah. They they had it this whole time. Isn't that insane? <clears throat> the balls you have to $1 have. $1 trillion dollars also is insane to like... That feels like an excessive amount to need as props in this movie. A trillion dollars lying around. Did they... I'm trying to think what they... Did they like fly it through the... Like, did they throw it in the air or anything? That's what I was trying like to that? think. Like, I don't remember like any... Like they're, they're, it's in like the statues that a couple get knocked over. Yeah. Like I don't remember seeing to like they throw in like hundreds of thousands of dollars or anything in the air. Throw a lot of poker chips in the air. Yeah, <laughs> those are all counterfeit too. That's got, yeah. got counted in the yeah number. He had two hundred grand in poker chips and he just threw them in the air. I was like, yeah. what are you doing, man? <laughs> he still pocketed quite a bit of money on him though when they yeah. left. So true. All right. It's time for the Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. So, there's really only got to be two contenders for this. Mm -hmm. It's, like we mentioned before, the cast is very small as far as, like, big names. Um, And, you know, as the case is often in, in like, uh, I guess, 
I guess you could call it a kung fu movie. Like it's a, a lot of um, Asian American actors who probably uh, niche to that genre because there wasn't mm-hmm. roles for them in Hollywood at that time, and even up until recent years has only just started to become more attempts to to remedy that. But um, the ones that we'll shout out here, since this is a comedy podcast, Jeremy Piven, yes, <laughs> uh, as what's the name of his character? It's it, it's like um, Versace salesman or something like that. Yeah, um, hilarious. Um, the I fact so that it's good. Jeremy Piven and that you so closely associate him with Ari Gold from Entourage, I think, makes it so much funnier to me because he's just playing completely against type uh very flamboyant and if the credits are anything to go by with the outtakes a lot of ad-libbing oh my god oh my god yeah like the blooper take in particular of his is so good just like some of the he's saying i i understand why it's not in the actual movie but it is so funny like like i feel like they just said like yeah do whatever you want we're gonna give you like a two-minute scene, just have fun with it. And yeah, he has an absolute blast with it. What's he saying? I want to take you home. Yeah. <laughs> what is it like? Oil up your bottom, just take you home. Yeah. And then like Chris Tucker starts laughing. He's like, oh, look, at you're just being wild. I'll take you home too. I'm going to take you both home. I need both you guys here. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's just having a ball. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Jeremy Piven, strong front runner for this. I did mm-hmm. want to give a shout out to the uncredited Don Cheadle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> does not appear in the credits for this film no one really knows why um <laughs> it's weird uh he didn't he also was uncredited in uh oceans one of the oceans movies was he really Ocean. that's more yeah. interesting than yeah yeah uh, and there's a story behind that like some kind of like controversial disagreement where he's like take my name out of the credits that kind of thing so um why he's not in this one maybe it was i don't know why wouldn't you want to be associated with this movie like it's it, i don't think it was probably as serious as uh as oceans but uh still still kind of weird because he was a, he was a big name in 2001 like it wasn't like he was some unknown at that point yeah definitely and he, he has a significant was still Dante. like he had definitely done things by this point in yeah. time so the story behind him being in this film is that I think Brett Ratner invited him and didn't think he would say yes because mm. he hadn't he hadn't done this kind of work. Like I don't think he was known at that point for comedy and action. But um, he said yes, but only if I can have a fight scene with Jackie Chan where I hold my own and if I can speak Chinese. And he did nice. both. He he, yeah. he did both to a really high degree. Like apparently Jackie Chan said he it was the best. Um, I guess Cantonese. I'm, I'm not sure on the, mm-hmm. the, the the name of the language, but he said it was yeah, the best Cantonese. he's he's heard from an American <laughs> before. Nice. And he said, uh, Don Cheadle said that he trained at Jackie Chan's house and got the like crap beat out of him. That Hell Jackie yeah. took it like really seriously, and I'm almost sure. almost like broke his jaw basically. <laughs> um, which is is good to know that uh, Jackie Chan doesn't hold any punches even in no. training with a Hollywood <laughs> celebrity. <laughs> Uh, good on you, Jackie. But uh, yeah, very fun scene. Uh, the whole Seven Eleven line about Chris Tucker's mouth never closing—that that was funny. So uh, it's between Jeremy Piven and Don Cheadle for me. Who who do you have deserving 
most of uh, the, the Sparkplug Award. I think Jeremy Piven is definitely more fun, but Don Cheadle definitely gets more to do. And knowing the backstory, that's those are kind of cool elements to his thing mm. of how much he does hold his own against Jackie in that sequence and speaking a whole other very hard language. Yeah. So who are we giving it to? We can say we can say Don Cheadle. We'll give it to Don Cheadle. All we right. can say that. Sorry, Jeremy. We thought you were. We thought you had it Jeremy in the bag. But, so good, yeah. But. Uh, just because he was uncredited doesn't mean that we're not going to recognize his role. Well done, Don. Good on you, Don. People, <laughs> do people call him Don? Like it just seems like he's yeah, Don probably, Cheadle. Right? It's like yeah, he's someone you have, you have to say his full name, like Don. Every Cheadle. time. Yeah. <laughs> Last question, and it's you know something we've already answered twenty times. But is this still a good movie? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like. I think it is, again, so emblematic of, like, late 90s, early 2000s comedies, um, kind of the, like, pop in, like, martial arts films we had from Jackie Chan, Jet Li, um, and I think this is one of the very best. I think, kind of like I said earlier, you're getting Chris Tucker at, like, kind of the tail end of his peak, Jackie Chan very much still in his peak, kind of in Hollywood, and, uh, yeah, it's super fun. It's super quick, too. Like, it... It is shockingly short. <laughs> it's an easy watch. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, it is easy work. It's a ton of fun. And you're just going to enjoy yourself watching it. Yeah, absolutely. It's still good. Yeah. No, I can't disagree with you. Uh, I don't think there's any world in which this isn't a good movie. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't watched it and you've listened to this podcast, go and watch it. If you haven't watched it for <laughs> a long time because it came out 21 years ago, <laughs> give it a rewatch. And... You know, consider doing a back-to-back with Rush Hour, and then yeah, just definitely. stopping after this. Don't you don't need to watch Rush Hour three, but it's certainly literally uh, watching those two movies back to back will take you all of three hours. It's not a long yeah. arduous. Both are like an hour and a half. It's pretty short work. Mm, that's like four Stranger Things episodes, depending on the episodes. Could be two, it, could strange, be two, two Stranger Things. If you're watching the last two, yeah, <laughs> it's almost one Stranger Things episode. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> So, yes, uh, certainly stands the test of time. And, you know, I think it's probably in the pantheon of buddy cop action comedy. For sure. For me. I think along with, like, Lethal, Wep- Lethal Weapon um, mm-hmm. is another, like, classic, obviously, of the genre. I think it's definitely up there in that same mix. Definitely. All right. Well, that is the podcast. Of course, you can subscribe if you haven't already. Share the podcast with your friends who might enjoy it. You can grab your 8-bit merch over at shop8bit.net, including a nice little Comedy Rewind-inspired T-shirt with a VHS throwback design. You can support 8-bit over at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash weare8bit. The best thing you can do without spending any money, though, is heading over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Podchaser, leaving a nice little five-star rating and a review when it's uh, possible to do so. Logan... What podcast have you been working on lately? What content have you been working on lately? You mentioned the James Bond rewatch. How's that mm-hmm. going? Yes, we finished up that Bond show. The last episode went live at the end of June, I believe. Don't mm-hmm. comment on that. We, we recorded them, a few of them Recently. ahead of time, but I'm pretty sure it ended at the end of June. Definitely it's over now. Um, so you can go check out all 25 of the James Bond movies we did, plus the kind of series finale wrap up as well. Um, you can go check all that out over at youtube.com slash that nerdy site. 
Uh, and you can also go check out the video game news show I host over at that nerdy site, which is that news you care about. Um, you can go check that out on podcast services or on um, YouTube. Excellent, excellent. Uh, lately, 8-Bit has put out a couple episodes of our role-playing series, 8-Crit, A-T-E-C-R-I-T, and the latest one, latest campaign is a Witcher-based uh, role-play session that we recorded at the Audio-Technica studio, Brendan and myself with nice. a couple of, uh, of uh, tabletop veterans so really good time getting into character in that world of the witcher uh there'll be episodes dropping weekly uh, until that campaign is rolled up is that the right word until it's wrapped up wrapped up <laughs> yeah i'm on the dice you know, <laughs> line of thinking until it's all wrapped up uh so there's probably three episodes out by the time you hear this so get into that and have a listen it's good fun and a good time uh and of course you can catch logan on the socials at lefty loggy or lefty logie depending on absolutely how, how you say things Pronounce or how it. you yeah, how absolutely. you read things yeah uh thanks for coming on logan it's always fun mm-hmm. always always a pleasure you can catch me on socials at Jono himself dear listeners we want to thank you for joining us on comedy rewind till next episode be kind Rewind. And rewind.